This is a Stand Up Labs production, powered by digital media. This week on the Mandatory Samson Podcast, do we talk about politics? We sure do. Do we talk about the Panama Papers? Of course. We also talk about Kim Kardashian and social justice warriors. It's a weird one. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Mandatory Samson Podcast. We're so happy that you've joined us today. It means a lot. My name is Christopher Flannery, at Samp on Twitter. I'm joined by the one and only, at Joey from Jersey, Jersey with a Z, on Twitter, Mr. Joseph Noe. Happy 80, Chris. Happy 80 to you, Joey. Thank you for being here, as always. Evan, thank you for producing the show. What up? Uh, welcome to the show, everyone. I got to tell you, I think we have a good one lined up here today. We got some quick hits on bees, weed, mm. and guns. Nice. Sounds fun, right? Sounds yeah, like a Friday does. night. Got a Panama Papers update, a pretty interesting one, a pretty significant one. We're going to get into that in a little bit. A 2016 update and an email from my man, David. Hmm. regarding social justice warriors that will kick off a full segment a little later in the show. Oh, that sounds like that's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. We got a, a clip. Um, I'll say this. It's not something that I typically would want to wait, not want to wait into, but something that we don't usually get involved in because it's a lot of he said, she said. But this one, yeah. David prompted us. I, I looked into these articles a little bit. I think we got some, you know, we'll, we'll have some conversation, but there's a clip that you haven't seen. I have not. I, I'm excited for you to get involved. And Evan, of course, you can feel free to jump in uh, anytime you'd like. Do you have a fuck up of the week this week, Joey? Yes, I do. All right. So we're going to try to fit that in at some point during the show. It's been a while since you've done one of those. It has been, yes. Um, I want to thank all of the Samsonites and the nobodies, all the listeners for the ratings and reviews on iTunes. I, I see you guys putting that stuff up there. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you guys. Uh, if you feel like doing that, I mean, look, I know the numbers are going up on this thing. I get to see the numbers and I know the feedback and I appreciate everything we're getting from you guys. If you feel like it going on iTunes, rating and subscribing to this podcast, you know, leaving a review, it's a big deal. We really appreciate it. If you go do that, Joey, before we get into anything, because mm-hmm. we do have some real things that I want to get into. I want to make a little special comment about the Kardashians. Ooh, special comment. Yeah. Uh, Keith Olbermann used to do this back in the day on his countdown show where he'd do a special comment, but he would do like 13 a, a, you know, a week. So yeah. they weren't that special, but still fun. Joey, do you watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians? W- what is your level of involvement with the Kardashians per se? Except for Kanye, absolutely zero. Okay. And he's not even technically a Kardashian? Not technically. He's not a Kardashian. He is and- through marriage though, isn't he? That's not how marriage works, I don't think. Technically, she's a West, if anything. Oh, okay. Um, but okay, I get your point. All right, Evan, do you follow the Kardashians at all? Uh, as much as I feel like everyone else does, to some extent. Well, what level? What, what is that? Uh, what level is it? I used to watch it, then I felt bad about myself, and <laughs> that's it. Okay, fair enough. So l- let me say this. Here's, here's the special comment I want to make. Uh-huh. I never watched the show. Like, I mean, maybe 10. We were talking about it before we started recording. Watched maybe 10, 15 minutes of that show. 
in its entirety ever. But for whatever reason, the last couple of weeks, it's just sort of been on TV. I'm just sitting there. I had nothing to do, per, you know, over the weekend or whatever. And mm-hmm. I, I watched a few episodes and it intrigued me because there's a lot of interesting characters on there. Scott Disick is a weirdo. Uh, he's interesting to pay attention to. What God, does he do? Well, from what I can tell, he's Courtney uh, Kardashian's husband, father of her children. They're separated now or whatever. He's had some rehab. He's gone to rehab. He's had some, mm. uh, you know, issues. But he's this like, uh, just this like egotistic, um, like rich boy. He's kind of, you know, he's a douche, but he's, it's kind of funny. Some of the stuff he says, but you know, there's a whole cast character. Caitlyn Jenner for Christ's sake is on there. Bruce formerly, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all, all of them. Plus they're good to look at the Kardashians. Not going to lie to you. Kim, great looking. Love it. Here's my special comment about the Kardashians. And it's more about society in general. First of all, I don't feel bad. Evan said he feels bad. So he stopped watching it. I don't feel bad watching the Kardashians. I pay attention to plenty of stuff that I should be paying attention to. God knows we're going to get into it on this podcast in a few minutes. So you know what? When I want to eat a little candy, I don't feel bad about it. I, I watch the Kardashians. It's fun. For well, some reason to me, it feels like some of our listeners might feel more like it's licorice than. Well, you licorice know. is candy. Yeah, but not the high-rated candy. Oh, you're saying it's not like a Milky Way bar. This yeah. is more of like a, a Laffy Taffy or something like <laughs> this. Well, let me say this. So the real comment I want to make is you see a lot of people on social media or anywhere where they kind of bash the Kardashians and they call them stupid. And they're like, you know, whatever. You name the insult. I mean, they, they're, they're sort of frowned upon. It's like a, a bad thing to like be interested in the Kardashians. But you watch it. Kim Kardashian is extremely level-headed, and I'm not joking. This isn't even a joke. I'm watching it, and it was making me mad that people don't like her. I don't understand why you wouldn't. You watch the show. She's a good wife. She really is. She supports Mm -hmm. Kanye. She's good with the kids. She's always with the kids. Anytime these people have a problem with each other, you know what they do, Joey? They sit down. And they talk about it. They resolve their problems. They do care about each other. They don't seem... So, so superficial in a way that makes them unrelatable to like the way normal people are superficial. They're, um, they're, they have an, uh, you know, fun trips they go on. They're constantly doing stuff. Kim's got this fucking app that she's dealing with that makes a ton of money. So it's not like she doesn't do anything. And frankly, if the only thing she did was whip her top off and take pictures of that, good enough for me. Doesn't bother me. So, I'm more annoyed at the general public for not appreciating what a nice family (laughs) the Kardashians are and how kind of like surprisingly down to earth they are. Because when you turn it on, I'm expecting them to be like these like just whiny, like we don't know what's going on, but they're actually kind of fun. And Kim, Kim gives great advice when her family's having problems or whatever. She's very even keel about it. She's just like, look this is what I think you should do. And she invites people to her events and she seems like a nice person. It just seems like normal people mm-hmm. got fucking really goddamn lucky and then took advantage of that uh, and, and turned it into a whole brand and, you know, this whole kind of empire. But they don't seem like, uh, like if you hung out with Donald Trump for a day, you'd be like, mm-hmm. wow, this guy's fucking out of touch. This guy's out of control or, or some other celebrity. Like if you hung out with Tom Cruise, do you, do you think that you're going to have any kind of reasonable conversation with Tom Cruise during the day? You could have a reasonable conversation with Khloe Kardashian, for I th- sure. I think if you hung out with Tom Cruise, it's a lot of couch jumping. 
I mean, that's the one thing I know about Tom Cruise, certainly that he loves to jump on couches when he gets excited. But my point being, it's like he is out of touch. Mm -hmm. I don't think the Kardashians are out of touch. They're out of reach, but that's a different thing. They just have the means and the wealth to go do their own thing. But they seem just like kind of a regular group. Now, obviously, this is reality TV. It's not... You know, it's not so a lot of it is pandering to the camera then Uh, playing to the camera, right? Obviously, there's some like setup situations. And I will notice this. uh, This is kind of like how we can wrap it up. Every scene on the Kardashians starts with a random like thing that they're talking about. And then it immediately like a minute later pivots into like, so what do you think about? mom's birthday party like it'll start with chloe sitting there like picking her belly button be like you ever notice how like belly buttons have kind of like a weird and then they're like that's so weird and then they go anyway what do you think about mom's birthday party <laughs> that's how every scene of the kardashians goes those were uh tremendous voices you just did I was that those were really good uh, thank you i you know look i it's my new favorite show that the real world the challenge these are the things so, i watch so basically you're telling me that the uh kardashian show is a bunch of non-secretaries no, it has a it has a theme. I mean, they, each episode has a thing. Like Lamar, mm. who they call Lamb, which I think is adorable. They this, this is like I really pre, have been watching uh, it pre or post the, uh, the no situation. This, this new this new season. They the second the whatever episode I just watched. They went to Kanye West's fashion show slash album release party mm-hmm. at Madison Square Garden, and Chloe was concerned genuinely about Lamar's health. Is he going to be able to handle the stress? There's going to be a lot of people there. Kim thought, you know what? Let's invite him. He'll be fine. It'll be good for him to get out and kind of, yeah. you know, get reinvigorated. So they all went. And then Kim also, so this is what I'm saying, Kim very smartly invited Scott Disick to come party with them as opposed to him being out there partying with Kylie's boyfriend, Tyga, because then you can't really keep your eye on him. But then Scott decided not to come. Courtney was annoyed. But I think that's the right move, frankly, uh, on Kim's part. She's very level-headed. She's There's a reason why she's been able to achieve that level of success. And that's what people don't want to acknowledge. It's just like, why? Because she sucked Ray J's dick? Kind of, maybe, but she's also super hot. She is level-headed, and they've, they've been able to turn it into a real business. There's reasons why people get to those levels. You might not like those reasons. You might be jealous of them. But believe me, there's a reason why they're there. I'm not saying for better or for worse. It doesn't matter. You don't have to watch. You don't have to pay attention. You don't have to listen to me. But I, I'm just saying... It's pretty good. I like watching the Kardashians. Maybe we'll do little updates uh, week to week on the Kardashians. How would that sound, Joey? Only if the listeners want it, please. Let's bring it back to MSP. Yeah, we're going to bring it back to the politics and news. That's fair enough, Joey. You know, you're right. I mean, I just wanted to get off edge, but you understand what I'm saying, though, right? Uh It's more annoyance at the way that people react to them. It's like, why don't you look in the goddamn mirror? Because if you were in that situation, I bet you wouldn't be handling it with the same, like, poise. Poise. Yeah, I was going to say grace, right? That Mm -hmm. they're handling it with. They really don't get it all right whatever we don't have to get to the whole thing but they really don't get into too much trouble they're not doing anything bad quote right they're just doing their thing mm-hmm. you want to talk about bees joey yes we'll I go do. from the k's to the bees okay mm-hmm. according to a study conducted by Bee informed partnership which let's uh give them a round of applause for that play on words title of that organization b b e e informed partnership Funded by the U.S. Department of Agriculture, U.S. beekeepers lost 44% of their colonies from April 2015 to March of 2016. That's a slaughter of the bees. It's not good. It's not a slaughter because nobody's actually killing them, maybe other than Monsanto with their pesticides and things. But, yeah, it's a, a lot of bee loss. 
59% of responding beekeepers reported winter colony losses. The normal acceptable amount, Joey, that normal percentage. Mm-hmm. What do you think that percentage was? 10. Yeah, 17. Okay. So pretty close, but they're at 59. So that's not good at all. Bees, Evan, pollinate what percentage of the fruits, nuts, and vegetables grown in the United States? 60%. 75%. So if we lose the bees, we're fuckity fucked. That's first of all, they had $15 billion to the agriculture business in this country, just added value just by existing because hmm. they pollinate all this stuff. And so, you know, we don't have to, you know, find other ways to be able to pollinate this type of thing. They're crucial. Um, and some of the causes here are the causes mm-hmm. pesticides, yep. malnutrition, yep. and a parasite known as the Varroa mite, which the scientists are now saying they kind of underestimated how much impact that thing would have. It, it feeds off the bees, but the pesticides obviously are a big deal. And you got to assume Joey, that the changing climate has some impact on their ability to find food and sustain themselves. Right? Yes. But in my humble opinion, I feel that the mite situation was way, is way, uh, it's much worse than they think it is. This Varroa mite thing. Yes. Yeah, it could be. And I mean, hopefully that is the case because maybe we could do something about that. But again, then you start tinkering with the ecosystem. It's like, okay, you get rid of the Varroa mite. Well, what does the Varroa mite keep off the planet other than bees? You know what I mean? Like, you start doing this like bioengineering, you, you, you create problems sometimes with unintended consequences. Yes. We're always talking about. But yeah, I mean, that could be an issue. Um, I'd love to be blaming Monsanto the most, but I probably can't. Uh, but regardless, the bee situation is a, a serious, serious problem. If the bees disappear, we don't live longer than, you know, a few years, really. You think they make robotic bees that will fly around and pollinate things? Yes, good question. DARPA and actually Harvard, DARPA's the, uh, I forget what it's called, but it's like the, the you know, the robotics uh, company mm-hmm. that they are working with Harvard. They are creating robotic bees that they think can go out and like pollinate. So, you know, fingers crossed, if we kill all <laughs> the living bees, we can maybe create a little robot one that'll run around and then also film stuff too. I'd imagine we could strap a little GoPro to the cute little robot bee's head. I think they would rather put a gun on it. Somebody's going to put a gun on that thing for sure. It'll yeah. shoot stingers. It'll be like we're living in like Transformers or like we're living, you know, in a, in a crazy world. Anyway, th- I just want to put that out there. Bees are crucial. And so the more you see about this stuff, it, it's really scary because like, what are you, you going to do? I mean, robotic bees, yes, might be able to pick up some of the slack, but better solution, we have real bees mm-hmm. that just do their job naturally. We don't have to worry about it. Um, it's also interesting when you see something like this be aware council or whatever it's called. There are people working on this stuff every day. I feel like that's something that gets lost in the shuffle with climate change and people that deny things like this. There's so many people working on this. Do you think they're all getting rich? Because people point to Al Gore and they're like, Al Gore made a fucking killing on. Okay. All right. And Exxon didn't make a killing on oil and Rockefeller didn't make a killing on steel or whatever the fuck they were, you know, like somebody's going to get rich when a technology Tesla, he's not getting Mm -hmm. uh, Elon Musk, not getting rich off Tesla. Yeah, but it's still a good thing he's producing. So of course somebody's going to be making money off an emerging market. That being said, do you know how many people aren't getting rich and they're just living their day-to-day life studying bees and trying to sound an alarm and we're not listening? It's like, you know. A couple million people. 
Yeah, that stuff. Maybe that stuff to really keep in mind when you when you think about this. There's always people in the actual industry that are like honest brokers in the thing, and they're just trying to tell you what is reality. We it's our choice whether to ignore that or not. All right. Next thing I want to get to. These are our quick hits, Joey. Remember, bees, weed, and guns. That's what we're talking about. Pot and PTSD. A couple of weeks ago, for the first time, the US DEA approved a study aimed at developing marijuana into a legal prescription drug to help combat or even cure potentially uh, treatment resistant, resistant post traumatic stress disorder. Uh, MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, is sponsoring the research and it could begin as early as June. Joey, do you have any thoughts about this? Finally. Yeah. It is about time that we take the moment and see what positive benefits that marijuana can have. Yeah, no doubt about it. And and we're talking about treatment-resistant uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. So it's people that have gone to therapy. They've had different types of drugs. And it's not doing anything. For me personally, I'll just speak from my own experience, marijuana is something that was demonized. You know, you always hear like, oh, it's bad for you to say no to drugs, things like that. You try it and you go, oh, I'm really happy right now. And this music sounds fucking great. And you realize, oh, I've been lied to for a really long time about what this thing is completely. I don't want to say it's like anything else. If you do it too much or you get too heavily involved with it, it can become a problem. But I'd way rather have somebody that's smoking weed all the time than being hammered all the time, just drunk or, or whatever, doing any other kinds of drugs. Um, weed also, I think I, I found in my experience, helps you manage ego and it helps you step outside of yourself a little bit and look at your choices and go, that was a weird thing you did. Hmm. That was a weird choice. Why'd you do that? And that's sort of, I think, what the positive benefit it could have for PTSD, where people who have been through a very traumatic thing, war, t- killed somebody in the in battle, whatever, weed will 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 give you a hug and go, look, you did do that thing. Why? What was the circumstance? It's okay. Like think about this, and then it'll also make you. You know what? I'm gonna have some cereal. That that show's funny, and it kind of like eases you in. Oh, you go up the roller coaster, and you're like, okay, okay, I'm coming down now. Great. It gives you a chance to look at something objectively, and it also gives you a chance to feel um, you're more sensitive to things. So as opposed to maybe being stressed out or anxious about something, it gives you a chance to maybe slow it down a little bit and then also like actually feel what you're feeling about it and, and kind of process that stuff, which I think is critical in something like this. And um, yeah, it's great. I'm really glad that they're, they're allowing this to go forward finally. Well, also, too, um, something that is very sad is that uh, a study found back in 2012 that each day 22 veterans commit suicide every day every day right now you want to talk about support the troops this and that it's not about making sure th- I, to an extent yes like we talked about with Colin's email last week it is about making sure that they have their entitlement programs and their retirement and all, all that stuff in place but it's not about just supporting aimless wars that's not really what supports the troops what supports the troops is potentially um, getting them real treatment that is going to prevent them from killing themselves when they come home from the battle. The battle, in some respects, obviously I'm not in the military and I don't mean it the way that this sentence is going to come out. That's the easy part in the sense that they are trained to do that. They have their 
brothers in arms with them doing that thing. A lot of people that come back, they want to go back to Iraq or whatever because they feel like they're leaving their brothers behind. That's mm-hmm. that's a legitimate thing. So in some ways, that's that's where they can function, but then that becomes the only place where they can function. So the real challenge is when people come back here and they have to go to the grocery store. I mean, American Sniper is a shitty movie, but it's like it shows what that's like. He He's not really here. His mind is he's not still adjusting. there. You know what I mean? He's not adjusting. And forget it. And then especially if you have something extremely traumatic happen to you and – you know, yeah, the the real way to support the troops is to, is to support stuff like this and help them reintegrate back into society and, you know, be able to feel comfortable back at home as opposed to feeling like the war zone mm-hmm. is where they need to be. Um, all right, so that's interesting. I wanted to put that out there. Obviously, we'll stay on top of it. And um, great. I think that's a really good thing. They're buying the weed from Colorado, incidentally, if you guys are wondering. Yeah, nice. Yeah, fuck yeah. You know, that's going to be good. Uh, all right. Smart guns. This is what I want to get into. The White House recently announced that federal agencies are currently working with law enforcement officials to develop standards for, quote, smart guns. Joey, do you know what a smart gun is? To me, a smart gun would be something that a gun that would only shoot for its intended user. That's exactly right. It uses a fingerprint sensor or an RFID tag that prevents unauthorized use. So Joey buys a, you know, what I'm imagining is a pink handgun right cool bro okay um they would they would have a sensor on it that only when your finger is touching it or however they're going to do it you can use it and if i pick it up it's not going to work for me which seems to make a lot of sense all right Mm -hmm. this is significant for multiple reasons oh i want to say this law enforcement agencies quote will be invited to make voluntary commitments to testing these out and, and being a part of the process It's significant for multiple reasons. The gun industry executives have said that they're ready to manufacture, but only when there's a large enough purchase order like the federal government. This is part Mm -hmm. of Obama's plan where if it's going to work for the police department, it's going to work in the military or whatever they're going to do. The government can order, you know, a million guns or whatever it's going to be that have this type of technology in it that theoretically and hopefully would prevent any kind of unintended death and would still work the same way that a regular gun would work. And it would incentivize the industry to start producing these things in 2013, Joey, there was a study done or a poll. 14% of people would be likely to buy in 2013, 14%. That's pretty low. Very low. A more recent study, 43% would consider getting a childproof handgun that could be fired only by the authorized user. So as time has gone on, I think the numbers are going to, improve a little bit i can't really think of a reason why this wouldn't be something we would do mm-hmm. can you think of anything and i'm not i'm not like sandbagging you. i'm really asking like what other than the argument of like the government's going to track you i guess because it has a fingerprint technology other than that what reason would we have not to if it worked the same i'm not saying if it's like Oh, oh, quote, worse gun. If it works the same as a regular gun, but only the intended user can use it, what's the downside to that? There doesn't seem to be a downside to it, but I feel that the NRA would try to prevent this from happening. Well, I have some NRA quotes that we'll get into in a second, for yeah. sure. Uh, Evan, can you think of anything? I mean, I really was thinking about it last night. Like, yeah, why, why anyone would be opposed to it? What, what, like, what, what would be the drawback of having guns that only work for the person that bought them? Again, I only think the NRA would probably have an issue because they don't want to prohibit any of the rights that people would have. By yeah. Guns. Yeah. I mean, again, I think people would probably be gun owners. I, I feel like majority wise tend to be people that are more 
concerned about the government or that the way they're portrayed, certainly, but they're more concerned that the government's going to come and take their weapon and whatever. So if the government is putting a chip in the gun, they might be concerned that, oh, the government could turn off my gun. You know what mm. I mean? But, okay, I fine. But I, I don't know. To me, that doesn't seem like that big a, a concern. Now, to both of your points, the NRA, this is their quotes. The NRA spokesman Lars Dalseed says, we're not against the development of smart guns. We're against the mandated use, which... Okay. Mm, this is my point. If there's no real issue with it, if they're not against it, the development of smart guns, then what do they care? Like, what difference does it make if it's going to prevent, you know, hundreds of thousands of people from getting murdered? Why Why would you be against this? If there's no difference, if you, you as the gun owner, can pick up your gun and use it exactly the same way that you've always used it, except your daughter can't accidentally get it and blow her friend's head off or some maniac can't break into your house or your, your disturbed son can't steal it and go kill him. You know, a theater full of people. Yeah. yeah. Then what's the, what's the issue? But okay. This woman, Jennifer Baker, who's the director of public affairs at the NRA's Institute for legislative action makes me mad. She goes, president Obama's obsession with gun control knows no boundaries. Really? What has he passed? What law has Obama passed? What 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 gun control has he put in place since he's been in office? Ha, has your gun been confiscated? It's just a crazy point of view to start with. She goes, at a time, listen to this. Mm-hmm. This one annoyed me. At a time when we are actively fighting terrorists at home and abroad, this administration would rather focus the military's efforts on the president's gun control agenda. What are you talking about? What is she saying, Joey? It's like this is the this is the frustrating thing. When I talk about the B people mm-hmm. being honest brokers, this woman is so far from being an honest broker, she she can't spell honest broker. Because Obama's trying to prevent you from using that gun. Oh yeah, Obama he's not. He's not trying to prevent you from using the gun. He's trying to prevent people that don't buy the gun from using the gun, which is totally different. Do you let anybody drive your car? A lot of people do. A lot of people let anyone pick up their car oh you mean anyone i i'm saying how like what difference would this make if you own a gun what what like 90 people are going to use that gun no it's probably you and like your family your immediate family potentially or like a buddy comes over and you shoot a cans or something like what difference does it make this is crazy saying that the gun control knows no boundaries well it seems like there's a pretty clear boundary he's not trying to restrict guns at all well i mean he gave that speech but there's been no legislation no nothing well like you know how some things set precedents? Well, yeah. back in 1996, they did a report on smelt guns and found that the technology was not quite ready for policemen. 96. Now, that's yes. a decade ago. Right? hmm So, okay, that's fine. It's longer than that. It's 96. 96. Oh, right. Yeah, it's 20 years ago. Yes. Okay, so... That's a long time ago. So you don't think technology's improved? We didn't have iPhones in 1996. So we do now that you can open one with your phone, your fingerprint. Like it works pretty easily. But it sets the standard for if it's not ready for policemen, it's not ready for me. Yes, I understand what you're saying. Right. Well, but that's why they're inviting law enforcement to get involved and like potentially volunteer to be involved in this thing. They are working with law, law enforcement. Again, I'm not saying change it today, but I think take steps to improve the technology. And if it works, you know, in the article I was reading, excuse me, it was saying, um, you know, it's got to work in 100 degree weather, zero degree weather. The mm-hmm. cops are running through a swamp or whatever they're doing. It's got to work all the time. I agree. 
that's fine. Let that be the standard, but let's try to work towards that standard. Maybe it's going to cost too much to uh, to outline the guns with the technology. Maybe that's why we've been hesitant towards that. Nah, I don't think so. There's got to be a reason. I think it's much simpler than that. Again, I think it's it's people are very fearful. Gun owners uh, are very fearful, a percentage of them, that the government is going to take the weapons from them. That is that is the fear that is being stoked by the NRA. And it's, you know, people uh, I think also are, are, you know, they focus on the reason we were able to have a revolutionary war and, how, you know, is because we had guns and if the government tries to come in and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, did you understand that the government has um, the, the military, right? Like, mm-hmm. like that's, that's their weaponry. So if you think that even having 150 handguns or whatever kind of gun you're going to buy. You're not going to stop a, a missile strike if that's really what it comes to. Like, if they want to kill you and take your guns, they are going to find a way to do it. Yeah. So that's, I think, an illegitimate argument. Um, and we'll just see. But I, I can't. You know, in the Samsonites, you let me know. On the, you can go on mandatory SoundCloud.com/slash mandatory Samsons. You can leave a comment on the track. You let me know what you think um, about this. But I really can't see a downside other than you know, the, the government in some way has control over the, um, the manufacture of guns. Well, there are some people that opposed ready for smart guns. And it happens that New Jersey is one of these states. Hey, back in 2002, they, they passed the tried proof handgun act. When was this? 92, 2002, 2002. So who was that? Corzine? I could not tell. All right, go ahead. Keep going. It mandates that three years after smart guns become available, more like 30 months, for sale anywhere in the country, Jersey gun dealers sell only small guns. Really? Yes. But what? So what happened though? It, there wasn't a small gun to be purchased. Oh, I see. Right. Well, see, but that's what I'm talking about. Like that's um, that's why the government is getting involved to provide some kind of a marketplace. So that way, if they go, okay, well, we can manufacture a million of these because the government's buying them, then maybe people will get on board and and people will buy, you know, start buying mm-hmm. these things and create a marketplace uh when did you say 2002 now it was jim mcgreevy okay so right. gravy wonderful okay uh wrap up thoughts on that well another thing too is there are different places that do offer smart guns for example bernard dito who's a german entrepreneur <laughs> sounds right made a gun called the aim Amtrix IP1. Okay. And it's a pistol that can be fired only if its user is wearing a wireless wristband that broadcasts at a special frequency. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, why, so, okay, so why not even take it a step further? Have a chip implanted in your hand or something that is only specific to you. So, unless they cut your fucking hand off, they're not going to be able to shoot your gun. You mm-hmm. know, that's an interesting idea. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Right. We can evolve with the times, you know, and it just makes sense. It seems like this seems like it would prevent a number of unnecessary deaths and wouldn't cause much of a problem um, in the way, you know, getting in the way of people who want to use their guns legally. Yeah, well, it would be a huge deterrent because people between the ages of 10 and 19. Yeah. 650 Americans kill themselves each year by using somebody else's gun. There you go. Right. So that's another, I wasn't even thinking that way. Right. Absolutely. Suicide. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's great. And wouldn't that make people rest easier? Like as a, you know, a dad or whatever at home owns a gun for hunting or just for protection or whatever it is, your kid can't use this to, to God forbid, kill himself or herself or do anything, you know, dangerous. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. It's like putting a lock on the liquor cabinet. You know what I mean? But you just don't have to worry about it. 
All right. Uh, very good. By the way, let me just say, go ahead, Evan, you want to say something? I just wanted to say that Wesley Snipes had this technology in Blade 20 years ago. It's exactly, it's a great, <laughs> it's a fantastic point. I was going to say RoboCop, but okay, yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah Blade, it's exactly right. Though. Sure, yeah, these guys are, uh, are out there doing what they got to do and they're using the right technology. Jennifer Baker, I don't like your comment. I think you're doing a bad job. You, there's no way growing up, you're like, I want to defend the I want to be the NRA spokeswoman. I, I want to say that gun safety is is bad. Maybe Jennifer, she did. Maybe she grew up in a household where the father had a lot of guns. That's fine. Uh, and that was bestowed upon her. All right. Well, you're right. Well, Jennifer, listen, if you're listening or anybody knows Jennifer Baker, please put her in touch with us, uh, mandatorysamson.gmail.com. And I'd love to talk to her on the show. But as of right now, I feel like she's not a, uh, you know, she can't morally feel good about herself uh, every morning. So I wouldn't. Anyway. Joey, Panama Papers update. I'm very excited about this one because this is what we talked about when it first started. Something uh, we were waiting on has kind of happened to an extent. Last Friday, the whistleblower behind the $11.5 million file uh, Mossack Fonseca leak broke their silence in an online manifesto. The identity and gender of the source remains secret at this point, but I have a number of quotes from the person who signed it john doe now that doesn't necessarily mean it's a man or a woman who who knows but i have some quotes from the manifesto yes john doe sounds very american so would you say it's an american it's it's a i, I guess it's an american term like a, a non like being anonymous is like a john doe mm -hmm. you know um but i i don't know i don't think you can read anything into that because it was written also in german <laughs> oh, like there's okay. a German version too. So I don't, you know, who knows, but anyway, all right. So I have a number of quotes. This might take a little while to get through it, but I think it's worth it because it gives you, this is the first glimpse we're getting. Like when we got the Snowden leaks, mm -hmm. we pretty quickly got an idea of who Edward Snowden was. We got to see who he was. We saw interviews with him and we understood his perspective and all that stuff. We don't know anything about the person that leaked the Mossack Fonseca files until now with the manifesto with the manifesto. So let's read some of the quotes from this thing um, to the manifesto. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, income inequality is one of the defining issues of our time. It affects all of us the world over. The debate over its sudden acceleration has raged for years with politicians, academics, and activists alike helpless to stop its steady growth despite countless speeches, statistical analyses, a few meager protests, and the occasional documentary. Still, questions remain. Why and why now? The Panama Papers provide a compelling answer to these questions. Massive, pervasive corruption. And it's not a coincidence that the answer comes from a law firm. More than just a cog in the machine of, quote, wealth management, Mossack Fonseca used its influence to write and bend laws worldwide to favor the interests of criminals over a period of decades. So... I think criminals is wrong and used incorrectly there. Why? Because they're not technically criminals. Well, to this person who obviously felt strong enough to release all these documents, uh, I think believes they have enough information to... To deem them criminals. But yes, innocent okay. until proven guilty, Joey, sure. But okay. Thoughts on that? I mean, obviously this is a very, I would say, in line with the pirate party in line with Bernie supporters in line with a number of, of new progressive internet based ideology, right? Yes. Okay. Um, give me one second. I got to take a sip of my Polish seltzer lime. It's a beautiful day here in Manhattan. Um, Evan, talk to Joey for one second while I take a sip of this. 
Um, I actually planned this out already. I wanted to bring up George Zimmerman. I don't know if this is the time to do it right now. That is, you finally go. got it. Yes. <laughs> when I stop for a second to start drinking, have something. Yes. yes go yes. for it. Go ahead. Okay. So our boy, George Zimmerman, put his gun on auction, mm-hmm. the one he killed Trayvon with. Yeah. I, uh... He set it for $5,000, and it has been- 5000 5000 opening bid. Oh. It was on a gun website, and the gun has been removed. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, look, we were talking. Evan, you got God. You want to say something about it? No, I really have nothing. All right. Well, Evan brought it up before when we were hanging out. Um, George, look, George Zimmerman's a piece of shit, right? He's in some ways a you know delusional and a paranoid person, and I think he just loves the attention, no matter what that attention is because there's a certain percentage of the population that's going to be like, good for you. Like, do you know why he was selling the gun? No. Apparently he wanted to raise funds to fight black lives matter and Hillary Clinton. Yeah, of course. But that's what I'm saying. This guy is somebody who's like a zero that got no love and it's kind of sad, but obviously there's a hole there that he's trying to fill. Um, He's misguided. He's not a smart person. It's, you know, and he just knows that he can get the um, that attention immediately from a very um, c- crass base of people. I, I disagree. Which is going to, well, hold on, which mm-hmm. it's going to tie in a little bit to what we're going to get into with David's email later and yes. the social justice warrior stuff and uh, Steven Crowder in particular, the video that we're going to watch. But did you know that he made a painting uh-huh. with the American flag, with the words God, one nation, with liberty and justice for all? Yeah. He sold it on eBay. Do you know how much you got for it? No. 100000 Really? Yes. 100000 for a painting. Yeah, because there's people out there... That, well, there's people that collect Manson family stuff. There's people that collect a lot of this shit. Like, there's people that collect Nazi propag- you know, memorabilia and things like this. There, there's always people that are drawn towards, towards sort of this, like, morbid, kind of, like, fringe celebrity type of stuff. There, there's a market for everything. I, I believe that. I mean, he's the same. It's the same as people that buy um, Ted Kazin, the Unabomber's shit. You know what I mean? Or, or whatever. Uh, I, that's not who I mean to be thinking of. But anyway, or Ted Bundy, his paintings and all that shit. Of course, people buy Hitler's paintings. Like, you know, yeah, there's a okay. certain percentage of, because it's like that. Maybe it's, maybe it'll be valuable one day, you know, more valuable. It's stupid, but yeah, of course. I mean, that doesn't shock me. Um, all right, well, let's go back. Good mm-hmm. job. Let's go back to this. Um, again, this is John Doe's manifesto, the leaker of the pa- Panama Papers. For the record, I do not work for any government or intelligence agency directly or as a contractor, and I never have. My viewpoint is entirely my own, as was my decision decision to share the documents with Süddeutsche Zeitung, which is the newspaper in Germany, and the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. Not for any specific particular uh, for specific political purpose, but simply because I understand enough about their contents to realize the scale of the injustices that they describe. So again, it's somebody that is doing this because they feel it's the right, the only thing they can do. They're seeing it and there's no, they have to get this out to the public. That's I think the same way that Snowden felt it's the same way that Chelsea Manning has spoken about. And a lot of people that have, have leaked documents and are whistleblowers. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Uh, legitimate whistleblowers who expose unquestionable wrongdoing, whether insiders or outsiders, deserve immunity from government retribution. Full stop. Until governments codify legal protections for whistleblowers into law, enforcement agencies will simply have to depend on their own resources or ongoing global media coverage for documents. So his point being, if the law enforcement agencies actually want to make um, changes, they should give the whistleblowers the ability to come out in plain sight, present the documents over to them and let them pick through the stuff and make the choices as opposed to them having to work in the shadows and give it to journalists and work in a way that is, you know, not, not the proper channel according to them. Yeah. But the proper channel is not going to be set up though. Well, that's what he's saying. This yeah. or he or she, I don't know. It needs to, that needs to be in place. There needs to be protections for whistleblowers immunity. This is happening. It's in the public interest. This needs to be said. I shouldn't get in trouble for being the messenger, you know? Mm -hmm. Two more quotes. The media has failed. Many news networks are cartoonish parodies of their former selves. Individual billionaires appear to have taken up newspaper ownership as a hobby, limiting coverage of serious matters concerning the wealthy and serious investigative journalists lack funding. The impact is real. In addition to Sedoich's Zeitung and ICIJ, and despite explicit claims of the contrary, this is interesting. Several media outlets did have editors review documents from the Panama Papers. They chose not to cover them. The sad truth is that among the most prominent and capable media organizations in the world, there was not a single one interested in reporting on the story. Even WikiLeaks didn't answer its tip line repeatedly. Now, that one I would say might... Who knows why? I don't think WikiLeaks is like scared of this shit. Mm -hmm. But... You never know. There might be people that are involved in this thing that they didn't want to touch. The bigger point here being the corporate media that we're always talking about had journalists review these documents, which are obviously a huge deal. Mm -hmm. And they were like, nah, now nah, we're good. Yeah, because uh, maybe I'm doing it with my right hand. They're doing it the right hand or their boss is the one that's doing it. They're owners, their owner yeah. company. You know what I mean? So they don't want to create waves, which is extremely dangerous in a democracy. The free press, that's not what we have anymore when you talk about, I mean, obviously, yes, there is free press, but my point being, these corporate news channels and news programs and whatever, they're not, they're not doing it to inform the public. They're doing it to, to make a profit. Make a profit. And that's extremely dangerous in a democracy. It's when you get this, first of all, whoever this person is, I agree with their point of view. I like where they're coming from. And I think it fits in line with what we talk about on this show. And it's, a, it wouldn't be funny if it was me. <laughs> I'm no, just like, that's impossible. All this stuff. it is impossible. impossible. That's me. Yes. Um, but, but I was going to say, go ahead, Joey. I'm sorry. For some reason, I'm getting the feeling that it's just a receptionist that had access to the documents. Maybe. Just a very simple person, very humble, said, I don't like what's going on. Let's put it out there. Right. Well, and beyond, I don't like what's going on. I know what's going on and it's wrong. It's not even, I, I don't like it. It's not right for the majority of human beings. You know what I mean? And, and this is some, it's an injustice. It's just that feeling you get when you go, this isn't right. Something needs to be done about this. And that's what you're seeing here, which I think is really important. Now, again, we're making a lot of assumptions about this person. They could just be a bullshitter, right? And they want to just put this out to create chaos and this is their cover for it. Who knows? But only time will tell. But from the words only, I, I'm, I'm getting that this is a good... Uh, 
you know, a good perspective and somebody yes. that was trying to make make a difference. And this is the point that we call out to John Doe, telling him that he should come on the show. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, MSP81 we'll, and tell everybody who he or she is. Well, or whatever. We don't even, well, you know, we'll protect your identity. We don't. Absolutely. To, that's fine. Um, all right. T- two more quotes, actually. Here we go. The collective impact of these failures, and this is what's very important. The collective impact of these failures has been a complete erosion of ethical standards, ultimately leading to a novel system we still call capitalism, but which is tantamount to economic slavery. In this system, our system, the slaves are unaware both of their status and of their masters who exist in a world apart where their intangible shackles are carefully hidden amongst reams of unreachable legalese. It doesn't sound like somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about. I mean, it's like pretty nice prose there. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? It's pretty well written. Uh, the horrific magnitude of detriment to the world should shock us all awake. But when it takes a whistleblower to sound the alarm, it is cause for even greater concern. It signals that democracy's checks and balances have all failed, that the breakdown is systemic, and that the severe instability could be just around the corner. So now is the time for real action, and that starts with asking questions. Correct. What did we talk about just last week? It's it's just amazing kind of how things fall into place kind of with the narrative collective conformity you don't you're afraid to do the google search you're afraid mm-hmm. to go on WikiLeaks. you can't ask the questions because you don't have the information or if if you do have the information you don't want to because you don't want to be on somebody's radar this is exactly what this person's talking about that all feeds into a corrupt and broken system if you can't have the information and ask the correct questions there is no way to reverse the challenges that we're facing yes and everything stays status quo Totally, and it stays status quo in the favor of, like he's saying, the, these capitalist masters. You know what I mean? And that's really the truth. Like, it sounds silly probably to people that aren't, aren't necessarily paying attention to this stuff. But there's so clear week after week when we come on here and we talk about all this stuff. And I, I got to believe that our listeners feel the same way. You, you start to see the pieces put into place, and it's undeniable. You can't sit here and look at all this evidence and see the way the system works and then think like, no, nah, but that's probably, it's just coincidence. No, this is the, the, all of this, this confluence of things are coming together to create a system that does not simply does not work for the normal human being on earth. And that can be changed. The way it can be changed is by allowing space for people like whoever this person is and Snowden and, and Chelsea Manning to put out information that we all desperately need to know and then make actionable change based on that information, getting money out of politics so we can actually elect people that really represent us and can prevent things like this from happening in the future. But otherwise, yeah, status quo. That's exactly what you're talking about, Joey. Let's uh, wrap up with this. It doesn't take, excuse me, it doesn't take much to connect the dots, which (laughs) what are we Mm -hmm. saying? From start to finish, inception to global media distribution, the next revolution will be digitized or perhaps... It has already begun. Dun, dun, dun. I like that. Mm-hmm. like dramatic quote. This is somebody that I think we're going to hear more from. I got to be honest. If I'm really, because uh, it has a Snowden-esque, and Snowden is mentioned in the, you know, the manifesto. Mm-hmm. Feel free to go check out the manifesto, guys. Obviously, Panama Papers, just go to the main website, and it's on there. But, um, you know, Snowden's brought up and other whistleblowers, and it's saying, like, these are people that we should be um, r- respectful to and people that we really revere as opposed to people that are demonized. Here's my problem with the oh, rest of the situation. Start? No, no, no. <laughs> but with, with the rest of the situation, uh-huh. um, even if you did get immunity, yeah, 
that doesn't stop someone else from shanking you. Because I really believe there was information out there that certain individuals don't want out there. Oh, for sure. And we'll make sure that it doesn't happen again. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's always going to be a risk you take, I think, uh, when you put yourself out there. Legal immunity is um, the best you can hope for, essentially. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what Snowden deserves. He should be able to come back and live live his life uh, like a, a citizen, you know, that he is of the United States as opposed to living in exile in, in Russia uh, because otherwise he'll be put in a box for the rest of his life for doing the right thing, you know, mm-hmm. and that's that's really, um, I think that's a telling thing about our society, about our government, about our culture. It's, people are punished for doing the right thing when, uh, you know, everybody at face value would all agree, no, you should be rewarded for doing the right thing, no matter how difficult that is or, you know, um, who's going to get mad at you about that? If it's right, it's right. And, you know, that that's hopefully where we're trending. But to me, this it's seems not. like, no, but you know what, Joey, but we say that, but it is undeniable that this mentality that is, that is, that is articulated in this manifesto is becoming more and more widespread with, with Bernie Sanders, you know, and I'm not saying Bernie Sanders, says this exact thing but it's this train of thought and i think it is spreading in a way that is uh positive and i think there's a whole generation of people that are growing up with this type of free expression the idea of the internet the idea of real democracy and the ability to see corruption because you can look at the internet and you can look at tv and you go what's the difference well, the TV is not reflecting what is reality. It's reflecting a what is shown. A poli- yeah, it's what sh- it's a polished version of reality. You know, a, a corporatized sort of packaged version of reality. The internet, it's the double-edged sword of it. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago or whatever, but the the internet is real. There that is a raw information on there. You have to be able to sift through it and discern and and really be, you know, a critical thinker, but you can get the information if you want to get the information. It is out there. And I think this type of ideology is something that's going to catch on and it's becoming increasingly easier for people to recognize what is real and true, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to what is packaged. We talked about it with Trump, though. There's still a percentage of people that can't understand that. They, you know, he'll come out and say, I'm going to build a wall. No, he's not. But you're believing it because you're choosing to accept this fake reality. That that's something that needs to go away. But again, that's that's a that's a product of corporate media and all that stuff. So all of these things are are very tied up together. And um, I I do think that we're, we're the path is there to take the steps to correct this stuff, whether we actually walk the path remains to be seen it's but it's going to be a while but i think that i think the steps are there and i think that's what the uh what john doe is talking about in the manifesto this is gerard small and kurt metzger of the race wars podcast check out our podcast to hear the very first interracial friends in that's history right. that's right that's right we're the first we are the first real interracial friends talking about race openly yep. and without fear and there ain't nothing like it anywhere. That's you're right. cheating yourself if you're not listening. You can find new and archived episodes of Race Wars on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. Yeah. So check it out. Alright, Joey. You ready to get into an email from one of our loyal listeners? Yes, I love emails. 
I do too. You know, I, I want to say this last week's episode, I listened to the episodes um, when we're done recording them, you know, like I edit them and then I listen to it just so I have an idea of what you guys are hearing and, you know, how we can kind of make the show better as we go along. I liked the emails that we read, but I thought it was too much at the top of the show. Okay. It was like, four, you know, it was like 35, 40 minutes before we even got into any of the topics. So I'm going to do a better, that's on me. I'll do a better job of finding where there is space for the emails, even if it's at the end of the podcast, you know, like once we're done getting through the topics, fine we'll do another half hour answering the emails that doesn't bother me um you know so anyway <laughs> so that's just something i wanted to put out there but we got an email from david i figured we put it a little later in the podcast because it'll get us into a conversation here hello chris and joey big fan of the podcast i'd like to hear your opinions on the phenomenon of social justice warriors especially on col- especially on college campuses there was a recent incident at umass amherst i'll provide a link from hard-hitting news site tfm hmm. very good uh, which he did provide, and that's why I decided to do this segment. We're going to get into it in a minute. Let's finish the email. Obviously, this is an extreme example from what seems like a very stupid person, but it seems as if every example of this is an extreme example from a stupid person. People protesting a theme party with sombreros and tequila. Melissa Click from Mizow. It's getting out of hand. This, quote, PC culture has become a way for the misguided among us liberals to stifle free speech of those who they don't like or to be a, quote, white knight by trying to help minorities who they believe um, inherently need help from and to be saved by the white man. You'll notice most of the people who claim to be social justice warriors are white college students who go to good schools. I would support these people if they were to protest actual social injustice, such as police abuse on African-Americans, the bathroom bills passed recently, or treatment of prisoners at Gitmo. Let me know what you guys think. Would love to hear your thoughts. You're a loyal listener. David, well, David, first of all, thank you for the email. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it. Um, Yeah, you gave us a little segment that we're going to get into here because I right clicked the link. Okay. And then started reading about it. I watch a video. I read this letter. Now I got to go find out more about this situation. I'll say this before we even get into the whole goddamn thing. Mm -hmm. The social justice warriors, the people that are against them, the the anti-PC culture people. A big chunk of them are all annoying. And frankly, you don't (laughs) No, for real. I mean, we're going to get into it, but like they're not doing a hell of a lot of good arguing with each other. That's not, you know, it stops being about freedom of speech and minority rights or protecting people that are are disadvantaged or whatever, you know, like making people it's, it it becomes more about I'm right. No, I'm right. And they argue with each other. So nasty. So virtually it becomes a dick showing contest. Yeah, to an extent. I mean, if you want to call it that, sure. I mean, uh, to an extent, yes. But it, it becomes right. Like I'm, I'm right, and you're a baby, and we're gonna play the. Uh, okay. So anyway, so let me say this. Okay. Let's explain what's going on here, because you haven't seen any of this video. I have. This not. is not a world that I really typically dive into. Generally, what I'm gonna say before we even start: social justice warriors, people. I don't wouldn't necessarily agree with David that it's always white college students that go to good schools. It seems like there's an element of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that comes from a good place, but potentially a misguided place. It is, to an extent, trying to shut down speech and saying, you know, that words are essentially as bad as actions, which I dis, you know, we've talked about that mm-hmm. on the show. I disagree with that's why we even, to an extent, defended Kurt Schilling. It's like, yeah, he's not he's not passing laws. He's not doing anything. So you can actually just ignore Kurt Schilling. And while I understand the argument that like words can create a a hostile environment or create a culture of mm-hmm. um 
whatever prejudice against a certain group of people, hostility. Uh, it's not, it's not really causing any actual tangible change other than, you know, what we just mentioned. Well, the, the other thing too, that I feel is missing is we sometimes have a different view of a social justice warrior. Okay. Uh, I feel that for the most part, especially with the internet or com- or like the Yahoo comment section or whatever it may be, uh-huh. it feels more to me that it's just somebody in front of a computer uh, sounding off. Well, in some cases it is. In in other cases, like David's talking about, there's these groups on college campuses that don't, they would rather shut down people like Steven Crowder who we're going to play his clip in a minute, or Milo Yanapopoulos is a guy that comes up in this thing. Mm-hmm. I believe that's how you say his last name. But these are people that are very outspoken against PC culture and I would say are antagonistic and like trolling them. So I don't necessarily think they're doing something good either. Um, but there's groups on the campuses that will go and protest these things and try to get them shut down. And, you know, we'll get into that in a mm-hmm. letter in a second. But let's just play the video. Let's just try to like go with the conversation as we go, because I think it's a conversation worth having. I'm of the mindset. Let people say what they want. Again, Kurt Schilling, I disagree with him, but it's fine. Like he should say it. The uh, shutting down his ability to say something is only going to make him disregard the, the other side of the coin and not want to get involved in that at all. When actually, if you actually just kind of got together and had a, had a conversation, allowed the conversation to happen and all got in the same room and didn't, you know, it can get, it can get heated, but, but it, it's not a thing where it's like, you're not even allowed to talk because that's a terrible jump off point from both sides of the, the equation. Mm-hmm. All right. Steven Crowder. Well, Evan, do you have anything to, to add to this? Cause you're younger than us. I don't know if you have any thoughts generally about social justice warriors and the PC movement and all this stuff. Well, I feel like they're usually like, there's a certain stratification that exists where like the lines are drawn between generally speaking, people of color and white people. And uh, me, 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 go with that. What do you mean? I mean, I mean, I, I'm usually sensitive about the PC thing. I guess I fall in the more, I would be part of the people maybe protesting against him talking. Right. Because it sounds, yeah, well, right. And I mean, I think that's the thing. I think the social justice warriors kind of go hand in hand with like David saying, quote, real, real issues. Mm -hmm. Um, because they are a minority. They feel too, the broader public that is not caring about these issues that they're talking about. Yeah, no, you just said it really well. Okay. So, Steven Crowder, who's a conservative comic, hosted a panel at the University of Massachusetts Amherst called The Triggering, Has Political Correctness Gone Too Far, alongside, like I said, Milo Yanapopoulos or Polis or whatever, and Professor Christina Hoff Summers. They were invited by the Republicans of UMass Amherst uh, okay. group. Okay. Jenny Chankin, who was there was upset by Steven Crowder. She ended up writing a really long letter to 25 different university authorities, which was later leaked by Breitbart.com, which is a more conservative kind of news outlet. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot at play here. We're going to play the clip that Steven Crowder put up on his own website, all right, of this event because he knew people were going to be protesting yes. it. He knew that people were going to be heckling. And that's where he, and that's what annoys me about this guy too. I don't like this person. Okay. Uh, you know, I don't agree with him. Um, good. Before we do that, uh-huh. could I mention one of the quotes from the email way out of context? Who's who? Oh, what the letter you're saying yes. from the, from the girl. Yeah. From the girl. Okay. 
I have been unable to sleep or eat since Tuesday morning. I have three finals and I still need to complete. And instead, I now must spend hours on the phone with my attorney drafting email after email to get my concerns heard. Yeah. Here's what I'm going to say. We we see it with Gamergate. And oh, I love that we got to bring up Gamergate. Yes. There is legitimate online harassment where people get death threats and people's address gets put out there. Mm-hmm. So I understand the concern. Now, do I know specifically that that's happened to her? I don't know, but she said she got some Facebook messages. And obviously, if Breitbart's putting her name out and putting her letter out, yes. people are going to be able to find her potentially. So I, I understand that. However, I feel like, see, because there's no way to say it without it sounding like I'm saying it's her fault that this happened. It's not in any way. I'm not, I'm not saying that. She but, wrote a letter, though. Well, but what my point being, she put herself at the scene. Okay. You know what I mean? So you go around people who are not honest brokers, like Steven Crowder and whatever. They're, they're trying to provoke a response from the liberals or the people that are too PC that they don't like so they can go off on them, which we're going to see in the video. So she went intentionally near these people to denounce them. Right. Which is her right to do definitely. Mm -hmm. But then I think to an extent you have to bear the responsibility because you know that they are trying then to get you to react and they're trying to make a mockery out of you. And, and so when you go, when you write a, a you know, a thousand word letter and send it to 25 university people and be like, Oh, I'm so, I got to talk to my lawyer and all this stuff. You're feeding into them being like, you see, look at these babies. You know what I mean? It becomes a vicious cycle that you can't exit. Absolutely. And that's my point. They're neither side is really doing any good. They're they're They only exist because of each other. And, you know, nothing's it, been resolved. A, yeah, no, no, nothing's going to be resolved. It's a very, it's a dicey situation. We'll get into it. So this is the clip that Steven Crowder, the comic, that was invited, put up on his own website. And this is him, I guess, defending free speech, you know, however he would put it. But make no mistake, this guy's a real doucher. I don't like this guy either. But all right, here we go. Let's get into it. And then we'll read some of her letter. The triggering UMass College, April 25th, 2016. Before Milo and Dr. Summers could even begin their opening statements, the professional SJW left. See, even saying professional SJW left, they're college kids. They're not... Maybe they're getting paid. Well, okay, but they're not professional. It's like, shut the fuck up. We're shouting them down with boos, taunts, and hisses. Okay. It's annoying. No doubt annoying. Crowder was called upon for his opening remarks. Also, Joey, you uh, had a little comment. We played this before. Yes. It, I really can't stand when the USA chants get going because you know something's going to come next. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's just You such know a, something's coming up right after the USA chants. It's from wrestling. You just know it. You no doubt about it. it. Well, and it's also a fucking... It, um, it's it's un-American to, to chant that, essentially, to other Americans and being like, because you believe that, you're not a real American. It just shows you, like, it's like a dumb point of view to begin with, but... Uh, the USA chain always bothered me because I feel like it's like uh, it's kind of white supremacy kind of masqueraded. No as, doubt like, about it. Yeah, I completely mm. agree with like, you. Like, you know, in the World Trade Center or when we killed uh, Osama bin Laden, I remember on college campus, everyone was cheering USA. And, like, yeah. The Muslim students were like freaked out. Yeah, well, okay. I mean, they're American too, but but I get it, right? You know but it, but it, no, no, absolutely. And it's a thing that I I don't like it either. I mean, I I don't like it at a UFC events. I, I love watching the UFC when you know an, an American fighter is fighting and someone from another country, someone yeah. from Brazil or whatever. They go USA. No, what are you out of your mind? Also, it's like that guy's from America too. He just he's of Brazilian descent. You don't even know who he is, you know. So it's like yeah, that always bothers me too. Absolutely, it's 
white supremacy was the right way to put it. It sure is fun to chant, though. Yeah, it is. Please, please. Mr. Crowder, if you'd like to make your opening. Okay, now, God, Evan, what? God. He already lost me. He already sounds like a douche. I don't like, and I'm telling you, I've seen him interviewed a number of times. He's been on Joe Rogan's podcast. I listened to him talk for two and a half hours. I just don't like the guy's perspective. I feel like he's not... Talk about somebody that could use a little bit of marijuana. It's this dude. I guarantee this guy's never really smoked marijuana in his life. He would be shocked at his own behavior if he smoked a little bit of weed. I'll be honest with you. I was following him for the longest time on Twitter. Didn't even know how it happened. Oh, really? And I finally just unfollowed him because I couldn't stand it anymore. Oh, okay. Interesting little tip, Joey. There you go. Perfect. Yeah, it was just, I, I don't even know how it happened. The way he just jumped up off that seat. Uh-huh. And was like, hey, like he's got a strut going. Like he thinks that this is going to be the best 15 minutes of his life because he believes the crowd is on his side and he knows exactly where this thing is going. So the, the overconfidence already is is dis- disenfranchising. I don't like it. All right, uh, Stephen, continue. Thank you. Let's hear it for you, mass Republicans putting this on. Come on, let them know you love him. And for a paycheck. Yeah. Yeah, really. Let's hear it for Milo. Let him know you love him. Now, this Milo, by the way, I mean, if you guys don't know who he is, he's this, like, very, like, flamboyantly gay, like, outspoken guy. He's an interesting character. But, again, it's one of these guys where it's like you hear it once. You've heard it before. Is he helping the debate? No, probably not. But he's slightly more entertaining. I mean, more entertaining than Steven Crowder, but. So quick profile, he is a comic? No, I wouldn't say any of these. Steven Crowder fancies himself a comic, but yeah. he's not really a stand-up comic. Like he'll put videos out and do stuff like that. Okay. And kind of do these like talks, but he doesn't have, he can't do a tight five, probably, you know. Let's hear from Miss Summers. Let her know you love her. Time to listen up, you silly liberal fruitcakes. I came out and I wanted to tell some jokes. Let's do some reality checks here. Do you have any ideas? See, now that immediately, it's like, he, he didn't want to come out and do some jokes. He wanted to come out and do this because yeah. clearly this is rehearsed and these are all pre-planned bombs and, you know, okay, so. It's a show. This is the show. Yes. This is what he wants. This is a show. So without the social justice warriors showing up, he doesn't have a show. Nobody Correct. gives a shit about it. He wouldn't have this video up. It would just be a bunch of Republican dudes sitting in a, an auditorium going, yeah, we agree with you. And that's it. That's not a fun yeah. video. This is what he wants. Yes, sir. How pathetic it must be to be you. These people wanted to come out and have a good time, hear a few jokes, some thoughtful discussion, but your head pops off the pillow in the morning with, oh, how can I be a professional victim today? Let me go in. No, it's called preaching to and the choir. And with their yeah, act just because, oh my God, your parents didn't tell you that your opinion wasn't worth that much. Look, look, they're confused. They're confused. You know why? Because I'm not your gender studies professor who has to cater to your trigger warning, microaggression, safe space bullshit. He mistimed that. Obviously, he ran yeah, out he of air. And also, it's again, these are buzzwords. So it, this works for a very specific audience. And he knows that, which is fine. That's mm-hmm. his thing. But like safe space, gender studies, teach like shut the fuck up with your butt. Like what you're screaming at a, a college aged girl. Mm-hmm. That's what you're doing. And you feel great about it. Now, clearly, he feels great about it. It's weird. It's weird. He's, you know, because like using the word bully or whatever, which is a social just, you know, social justice. But this guy is bully. Like, okay, I understand they came to your show and they heckled. Have them thrown out. 
You know, you have that option. It's your show. I'm you sure you'd be able just... to throw them out, though, because it's their freedom to no, be there. No, it's not. There. No, it is. It's not their freedom to be there. It's an event. I'm sure mm-hmm. they have to buy a ticket or whatever. And it's a, it's a, it's an event that was put on by the school, which is a private university. So it's not like they're just doing this in the public. This is an event. So if he, it's his prerogative, if he goes, they're being disruptive, let's get rid of them, they're out. Okay. That, that's it then, right? He wants them there. I want to do this. I wanted to come out and tell a few jokes. No, you, you created didn't. this monster. We have to go. Ten more minutes see, of this. Look. Yeah, see, we, you created this monster. He fancies himself a monster. He's such yeah, a big he's tough a huge guy. Monster. And you know what he's also doing? I don't know if any of the listeners know this, but Bill Burr, the one of the best comics ever, he had a moment when he was on an Opie and Anthony um, comedy tour in uh-huh. Philadelphia. He came out. The crowd was being crazy. They had booed a number of people off stage. It was just like a terrible thing. And Bill Burr stays up there for his entire set, just like destroying Philadelphia. And it's hilarious. It's one of like the best moments in comedy. And every once in a while, he'd be like, seven minutes. <laughs> I've still got seven minutes. So that's, to me, that's what this guy's doing. He's doing an impression, essentially, of Bill Burr's Philadelphia moment for a second. It's kind of pathetic, really, if you want, you know, my real opinion about it. Just reverberate. Let it be a life lesson. This monster right here that you're so afraid of, the face you see in your nightmares, was created by social justice warrior <laughs> assholes like you. Yeah. No, you're right. Without social justice warriors, these two guys would just I'm be gonna have nightmares likable. From this. You know? yeah. I'm going to have nightmares from this. Yeah. He's just and yelling at have, me. Right. And now you have this wonderful faggot. That's what happens. Oh, oh He oh. says faggot because Milo is gay and he calls himself a faggot, which is like... So that's okay then. He's, well, I mean, whatever. He's being... Pr- it's provocative. That's why uh-huh. he does it. He isn't bothered by the language. It's always his point, which fine. Call, you know, whatever. But... That's why yeah. he's doing it. Okay. Hey, we good? Yeah, we can. Yeah. Darling, you can call me what you like. Oh, okay, there we go. <laughs> yeah. so, like, he's like an, inter- he's an interesting character, yeah. Crying out loud, listen. Nobody here wants to hear your opinion that much. And here's what's so crazy. You couldn't wait five minutes. Unlike leftists, we have an open panel and a Q&A session because we want an open idea. Oh, I'm a racist. There you go. That's a new one. Where'd you learn that one in social human studies 101? Yeah, it's just like, if... Here's the thing. If this was regular jokes, they're hack jokes. He's just repeating the hits of what he knows works for that audience. You yes. know what I'm saying? This isn't original thoughts. He's just, he knows that if he says this series of words, it will get an applause. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's his thought or it's an original thought or it's anything interesting or thought provoking. It's just, he made fun of some of the crazy classes you could take in a liberal university. Ooh, you know? Yeah, listen. He's making soup, all right? He has all the ingredients. Uh, all he has to do is stir. Yeah, absolutely. He's just got to spoon it out yeah. to the uh, the audience. Right next to the right next to the giant, I don't know, wild boar I couldn't see who said, there's no such thing as fat chicks. Uh, guess what? If you think there aren't, you are one, okay? So it's like, that's, so that's not a fat joke? A- yeah, I mean, it's not a joke. It's He's just saying, like, fat, there are fat people. I don't know. You know, it's like, it's it's these stupid kind of things. And he thinks that people are annoyed at those those statements because they're assholes and they're too sensitive. No, it's just because you're not funny. You know, there's a difference between just your joke falling flat because it's not even really a joke. You're just yelling at people in the audience. You know? you know, if I paid money to see a panel and I didn't get a panel, I'd be very upset. No, I think I think a lot of people went to this. Uh, Knowing that this so was going to happen. This is the show. And so it's disingenuous for him to act like he's annoyed he's that the social justice war. He's thrilled as soon as somebody from the audience is like, boo, you're racist. He's like, party time. Here we go. Fat 
joke? Game yeah, on. I did. And no, it's okay, because I got some here. So screw you. I have a faggot pass and a fat pass today. That's a funny line. I have a faggot pass and a fat pass. That's funny. Here and tell a few First jokes. funny thing he said. We wanted to have a thoughtful discussion. We want an open conversation of ideas. You guys can't be grown adults enough to literally wait 10 minutes to the point where we open the floor. And unlike... And I agree. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where it gets tricky, because at that point, I agree. Wait. It's a, it's an audience is allowed to participate in this thing. Let them say their shit, grab the mic and talk to him. Now it doesn't mean that he's going to let you have that fair conversation. Then fine. Then you can argue about that. But yeah, wait, I mean, you can, don't be so sensitive that you just at the mere mention of a word, you, Oh, now you're in a huff. Let him say it and then have a reasonable conversation with the man. That's not going to happen. Of course not. Guess what? We don't try and ban you when your speakers come to school. We don't show up and protest and call them, oh, shut up, you just got owned and now you're trying to come back five minutes later. It's like George. <laughs> the jerk store called, they're running out of you, George Costanza, you androgynous little amoeba. See, like you androgynous mm-hmm. little amoeba. So it's like, it's it's all the shit that like he pre-wrote. He just, uh, you know, he's, he's a dick bag, this guy. He's a dick. Mm-hmm. By the way, these opinions you're yelling out, they're not even your opinions. They're your opinions. <laughs> Which is, uh, I love that one where he goes, these opinions you're yelling out are not even your opinions. Oh, okay. Okay, Mr. Regurgitated. Everything every right-wing commentator has been saying for the last 20 years. Really? You're just regurgitating shit. Yeah, he you're just, just gets to repackage it. You're that's just it. sticking to the script. You're, you're, that's it. From your gender studies professor, and the really reason you picked it was because you thought it was your best chance at getting laid. You just decided to walk on in to try and pick up chicks at the San Francisco retread pot-smoking drum circle, only to realize that your very glance in the direction of a woman causes a barren womb. Mm. A little wordy. Mm. Oh, you think this is going to get better? No, no. Is he going to check his privilege? That's not going to happen. How does one check its privilege? That's my question. I, I, I don't know. We're, we're not going to get into that. But the, but he's doing a Dennis Miller slash uh, Bill uh, Bill Burr impression. That's what he's doing, this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're almost done with this. Then we'll get to the letter. And then we'll just, I don't want to come out here and give We'll get to the letter, and then we'll just wrap up quick with a 2016 thing. We're almost I done. don't want to wrap up quickly. I, I want to do this. We're doing this. We're in, Joey. You, we're in, baby. You, know, you bought the video. Uh-huh. He set this up. I paid for this video. No, just kidding. <laughs> he set this up. <laughs> Let's watch what the man has to say. All right. On the finger, but it's because he walked out and this chick is a... <laughs> Start a show like that. This is absurd. At least when you go back to like Christi- uh, Christina, sorry, Christina Hoff Summers days, self-professed Democrats, hippies, the retreads that you guys want to be, at least they thought they were fighting the system. They thought they were trying to create transparency. They really thought they were for free speech. You people are openly and completely against it. You're not fighting for free speech. You're not fighting for rights. You're fighting for the right to be a pussy and not hear opinions that you don't like. Now, validity to the extent of they're not really fighting they are trying to shut down speech and we can pretend that it, again it it maybe all comes from a good place of like we don't want people's feelings to be hurt we want people to feel mm. included and feel safe but I, there's a line between that and you again Kurt Schilling doesn't want transgender people using his bathroom or whatever the fucking mm. argument is I disagree with him but I just, and, and he is wrong about that. You know what I mean? I think he's wrong. Yes. Objectively, pretty much he's wrong. But that is his opinion. And it is, we can't just say, no, you can't say that because you, that's bullshit. 
Yeah, and I, and I agree to that extent that you should be able to say even your dumb fuck opinion. If that opinion doesn't resonate broadly... And that's the end of it. Then that's the end of it, right. The marketplace of ideas will sort out who the winners and losers are, you know? I'm done. <laughs> Good, fine. And then he walks off the stage. No, he sits his... Oh, oh! If you, if, you right. only take, if you only take one piece of advice from this, okay... Please, sincerely, don't be an asshole your whole life. Yeah, okay, good one. You know, he he strikes me as the type of guy that grew up conservative, grew up religious, mm -hmm. never stopped being either of those two things. And now, you know, as an adult or what, you know, he, he, he just like condescendingly looks at anybody that has a differing opinion than him, which is ironically what he's yelling at these kids about, but he looks at them as like, you just wait. Like I'm, you know, like he's coming from his ivory tower and he thinks that this is everything he's accusing them of. He is doing also. Yeah. Hypocritical. Ain't it? Yeah. So anyway, so I don't like that person at all. Um, but I agree to the extent of let him say what he wants to say. Even if you think it's this like horrible, racist, bigoted shit, it's not your party. Like, let him go talk to the people that already agree with him. And if you're not there, he's not going to get to do this fucking rant. And that's how it's going to go. You want to know what upsets me? Sure. Jay. Not the fact of what he's saying, but the fact that he's getting paid for it. Yeah. You know, like, you know. Yeah, uh, that's it. Okay. All right. Now. Okay. So this is a little long, <laughs> but you said you wanted to get into it. So let's get into it. So now this is Jenny Chenkin, one of the girls that was there. I don't think the girl that he was yelling at, but somebody that was protesting who then ended up writing a 2000 word letter to 25 different UMass Amherst, uh, you know, whatever uh -huh. administration. Okay. Hello all. Are you really going to read it all? Yeah. The, now let me say this too. This Ooh, letter. Ready for this. Okay. This letter was not made public. She was not making the letter public, but it got leaked. So it is what it is. She doesn't even go to UMass Amherst. Oh, what? Hello, all. <laughs> I am a Hampshire college junior on a pre-law track with a concentration in political theory, carceral studies, and conflict resolution. I am writing this email because I have been harassed mercilessly online following the triggering event, and I have reason to believe that UMass Republicans have endorsed this harassment and libel against me. On my Okay. If that's true, then fine. Then she probably has a case against people that are actually harassing her online. All right. On Monday night, I attended the event, the triggering hosted by UMass Republicans in protest of the panelists they had chosen to bring in to speak on quote, social justice, feminism, trigger warnings, microaggressions, and more. My friends and I held up a banner outside the venue that said, quote, content warning, bigotry inside. Mm. And we passed out flyers, which explained what we believe political correctness stands for. Okay. No problem with that. Definitely, that's she should be able to do that. Go to the event, protest outside. That's fine. You are even allowed to go buy a ticket, go in, be annoying, and get kicked out. That's your right too. But I'd rather you don't do that. What difference does that mm -hmm. make? Be outside. Okay. She goes when the pro uh, when the panelists came on stage, we booed and heckled and disrupted because this is what we were there to do. And that's annoying. We wanted to send a message that even if the majority of the room agreed with what was being said, there were people in the community who adamantly disagreed and that we were also allowed to make our voices heard under free speech laws. That's see, that's the thing. Like, are you really like, yes, I guess technically you're allowed to do it, but it's a, like a private event essentially. So, and you're paying and you bought the ticket to be part of that event. Exactly. Um, all right. We wanted to send a message that harmful opinions like the ones held and endorsed by the panelists are not welcome at UMass or in the five college community, which I assume. But obviously they are, because if it wasn't, they wouldn't be there. 
Sure. Yes. Valid point, Joey. Absolutely. Right. See, it's so funny because it's like, it's this like fractal kind of like the, it's eating its own tail kind of thing. They are saying we're the minority. We're the majority. So we have to silence this minority of hate, but they are actually trying to defend minority voices against the majority. So it's like this, it's this crazy thing they're doing to him what they don't want him to do to them. That's fucked up, bro. Yeah, it's it's just crazy. It doesn't make any, you know, it's not really helping. But all right. While I frankly found the event absolutely reprehensible, it proceeded with the, without extraordinary incident. I even stuck around outside for two hours after the event, conversing with different-minded individuals about our beliefs. These actual conversations were civil and very gratifying. Good. That's what you should be doing. Despite residual frustration with some of its comments made by the panelists, I left UMass feeling like I indeed... I had indeed been able to understand some of the opinions espoused at the event. Okay, okay. so great. Then she wakes up the next day and she finds out that the the thing was leaked online. People are harassing her on Facebook and all uh-huh. this stuff. Which, I, yes, okay, that shouldn't that is r- incorrect. That's the wrong behavior on their part. Now she continues. UMass Republicans Representative Nick Papa stated that the group invited Milo Yanniopoulos uh, as a, quote, funny provocateur to the college left. In his opening statement on Monday night, Milo said, quote, feminism is cancer. <laughs> I asked Nick Pappas, Kyle Boyd, who's the president of the UMass Republicans, the rest of the UMass Republican student group, the UMass administration, the UMass student body, how is this funny? Well, it doesn't matter whether you think it's funny or not. It doesn't matter whether I think it's funny. It's not funny. It's just a stupid statement. Yes. But... It doesn't matter because maybe somebody thought it was funny. It doesn't matter whether you think it's funny or not. All right. And how is this not creating animosity and discrimination on UMass Amherst campus towards feminists and other groups who were demonized on Monday? Is it Joey? I mean, do you think that's a valid point? No. Okay. Uh, There is a way to go about critiquing feminism. Does not equate feminism to a deadly disease or foster hatred towards feminists. Yeah, you're right. There is, but it doesn't mean that's the route they have to go, right? Correct. <laughs> there is a way to go about uh, critiquing Islam or any other religion without equating all members of a, the religion to terrorists. There is, but, but you don't we don't have do to. that, right? You don't have to do that. The the stupid pastor down in Florida that wanted to burn the Quran. Go, I don't go ahead. It's disrespectful. You might have to reap the consequences of what goes on there, but. Go for it. So throw the Bible in too. That doesn't bother me. Burn the flag. They're just symbols. You Burn it I mean? all down. Yeah. I, it, like to me, that's okay. Do, do what you want there. You get mad about it, but that's okay. Um, almost. Let me see. I lost the play. Oh, here we go. Almost every person of color in the audience last night walked out of the room because they felt unsafe. Good. Probably a good move. If you don't say leave, that's, that's good. As a white woman, I felt unsafe. <laughs> what? Um, with that, we got to get through this a little bit. I, I know we have okay. to get through this, Yeah, but I don't understand who's going to be walking out because they paid a ticket. Well, so whatever. maybe she maybe means they the use protesters their, maybe they felt use their, Maybe they use their student card or something. I don't know. Who the fuck knows how much they paid for this? Could have been a free event. I don't know. But it was put on by the UMass Republicans. All right. There is a way to create open, respectful dialogues on college campuses between people who have differing views. Last night event was none of these things. That doesn't matter. Maybe it does not matter that it was not one of those things. I ask UMass administration, UMass Republicans, how is the public harassment and bullying of your students and five college students okay? Is that 
that funny to you too? Because now my personal safety and the safety of other five college students has been put in jeopardy. Is my personal safety a joke to you? Is my personal safety and the safety of individuals on your campus and beyond less important to you than the freedom of publicly humiliate people as supposedly protected by free speech? I ask you. See, now this is where, okay, so now this is where they start to get annoying too because it's like, get on my high horse. I feel like I have the moral high ground. I can just start being like, I ask you, sirs. Uh, I ask you, UMass and UMass Republicans, why are you endorsing and condoning harassment? Why are you putting me and others in danger? They didn't put you in danger at all. You went there intentionally to do this. Yes. Which is your right, but you went there. This is not funny and it is not a joke and I demand action be taken to remedy the situation and prevent anything like this from ever happening again. Good luck. See, but that's what I'm saying. It's like that's now that's you're just feeding into their case of like they can never come here and talk about this again. Never. All right. Is that are we being a little dramatic? Probably. Yes, Yes, we certainly are. And it's not going to stop there. No, it's only going to encourage this to happen more. I demand appropriate disciplinary action be taken against UMass Republicans. I request they be met with and lectured on cyberbullying and harassment. I request they may uh, they be indicted into a probationary period and their actions monitored so as to ensure they are not endorsing behavior which puts other people in debt. Come on. Is that talk? No matter what they're saying, unless they're like, and when we're done, go kill Muslims. Like, unless they're doing that. I got to disagree with you that like, come on, man, are they really putting people in the community at large in danger? No, because unless they actually punch you in the face, I I don't know. Uh, Okay. There can be arguments made against that, but all right. I request an apology from UMass Republicans for uh, for condoning the harassment. I and countless others have been subjected. I guarantee she could count how many people were subjected to this. I've been subjected to as a result of their atrocious event on Monday. I expect a response from UMass representatives regarding the condoning of harassment, cyberbullying, and hate speech on the part of UMass Republicans and the UMass institution which hosted this event. I will wait until 10 a.m. on Friday, April 29th, and and if I do not receive a response... Excuse me, by then, I will escalate my demands and will go to the press about the situation. I have already been approached by a representative of widely popular Vice News to speak about this incident. I am more than happy to do so if I find it necessary to get my voice heard. All right, that's, the, that's what I took out of her letter. Mm-hmm. Now, that's grandiose also, right? It's like, I got some attention here. Vice News wants to talk to me mm-hmm. about my problem, which I am taking up the mantle for everyone. You don't have to do it's fine. You don't have to do that. If you have your group, go do your thing. And that's it. Like you don't have to defend the community at large and make sure this never happens. It's grandiose. They're both they it's so funny because they're both essentially off each other. Yeah, they're just the same coin. They're just the opposite side of the coin. But like they're doing the same shit, essentially. Yeah. He's trying to silence them and be like stop telling me what i can't say and they're like you stop saying what i don't want you to say it's like it's just nuts it's and just he doesn't different. have to show if they don't show up exactly so they so right okay <sighs> david thank you for this thank you for letting me go down this <laughs> rabbit hole uh, i appreciate it um any wrap-up thoughts on that joey and then we'll just get to a quick quick 2016 update yes my thought on this is when you buy a ticket to the show uh-huh. know what the show is and then don't complain about the goddamn show yeah, because absolutely. you are the one who bought the ticket yeah you're going to you're going with the intention of being offended you mm-hmm. want it to be offended because that makes your night and it makes his night that he gets to scream at you about it then so that's how it works 
End of the story, social justice warriors, Steven Crowder, people like that. I don't think either side is really doing any good. I think they should both be out there saying what they want. But to David's point, as they said at the end of the email, yeah, there are things that are very impactful going on in the world. Those things can be protested too, but... You know, we we watched a video before we came in here where uh, Charlemagne the God was talking to this chick, Tommy Laren, who we played on the podcast. And they mm-hmm. were arguing and he and she, you know, they were talking about Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter and everything. And he was like, do you go to a cancer rally and be like, why isn't this about AIDS research? No. Oh, God. Right? Well, it's the, it's the point. It's the same point. No, it's like, know, yeah, but... of course, they could be protesting something else. This is what they're doing. So let them do it. They have the, you know, it is what it is. So, okay. Whew. I'm never. We're never talking about that again. It's Why, too, Justice yeah, Warrior? it's too much. It's too because it, there's too many people involved. She levies some accusations against somebody that I cut out of this because it's like I don't even know who he is. She called him a sexual predator and all this crap. Uh-huh. I don't know who these people are. Who has the fucking time? They do. Well, apparently she well, was on the phone with her attorney <laughs> for days. For hours. Yeah. Well, that's but that's the thing though. Also recognize, yeah, when you're in college, you don't necessarily have too much to do. You got to go to class, you party a little bit. You Everything's know, paid for. You know, and then you you do, you you open up your mind to certain ideas and you you try to fight against them because that's what else are you going to do, you know? All right, 2016 update, Joey. I included this just for you. West Virginia primary results. Bernie Sanders won 51.4%, 18 delegates to Hillary Clinton's 35.8% and 11 delegates. That is a plus 15.6% percentage win for bernie that's the people talking is what he needed to win west virginia to stay on pace to win the Uh nomination by 52 points so a little different 15 he got not 52 not 52 he needed 22 delegates he only got 18 so again i'm just doing this for you bernie's not on pace to win the nomination all right now how many of those are super delegates that he should get because i I don't know we're not gonna do this we're not gonna do this he got like 40 he got 35 percent less than he needed so forget the super delicate conversation. Okay, fine. All right. A new Reuters Ipsos poll shows that nearly half of likely Trump and Clinton voters will vote for either one of them simply to prevent the other from becoming president. How many? 40. Well, I'll, I'll say it. I have a, uh, it's almost half. It's like 46% for Trump, 47% for Hillary. The only reason they're voting for either one of them is to keep the other one from becoming president. Larry's, That's ridiculous. Uh, sure is. Larry Sabato, the director of University of Virginia's Center for Politics, says this phenomenon is called negative partisanship. If we were trying to maximize the effect, we couldn't have found better nominees than Trump and Clinton. So Trump and Clinton are the ideal candidates to f- make other people go vote for the other candidate. That is, that's unheard of. Well, it's not unheard. I mean, it's a real thing, but these two are like. No, the fact the, that it's actually the creme, de, the creme de la creme of making people hate the other person. Uh, meanwhile, presumptive Republican presidential nominee and former television host Donald Trump, once quite boisterous about his ability to self-fund his campaign, now is quietly going back on that pledge. He will be fundraising for sure. Um, and he doesn't have much infrastructure in place to do that. But Trump, whose quote I have here, he says, do I want to sell a couple of buildings and self-fund? I don't know that I want to do that. So he's snookered all you fucking rubes into voting for him to make him the nominee. And he's not going to do, like we've been saying, any of the shit that he told you he was going to do. He's not self-funding shit. He spent like $40 million, which is a lot for me. But for Mr. $10 billion over there, it's a drop in the goddamn bucket. Uh, he's lying to you. You got tricked. 
Do you want to know what I see actually happening? I'd, I'd love to. Him you just sitting in a chair, smoking a cigar for the next six months while everybody's just yelling about him. He loves it. He's a jerk. Look, Trump- like I show up. Uh-huh. See, there has to be a way he can get through all this and not spend any money. I bet you he's thinking well, about he's that. Well, he's lent the money to his campaign. It's still a loan. It's still officially a loan. He can get the money back. He hasn't, you know, oh. and he's raised like $12 million selling hats and shit. So he's really only invested like $30 million into this thing. So, which is like worth it to become the president, right? Yeah. Um, and now he's not going to put any more of his own money. He's going to make the DN- the RNC raise money and have wealthy. Don- Come on. He, he's not stupid. Nobody, nobody's accusing Trump of being stupid. He's a liar and he's a trickster, but it's worked. <sighs> That's it, Joe. That's all I got. Wow. Worthwhile. Good show. Great show. All right. Uh, Evan, got any comments there? I see you grabbing for the mic. No, it's good. Good show. I'm into it. You're just resting on it. I don't know what that means. Okay. I'm into it. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, guys, thank you for listening to the program. We love you. We really appreciate it. Like I mentioned, you can go on iTunes. You can rate, subscribe, leave a comment on the podcast. Um, I know that people have been doing that lately. We love it. We appreciate it. It helps us move up the charts, helps more people get on board. What? Are you going to say something now? What's going on? No, no. I'm just smiling. Oh, I'm you're really just, excited. He's hovering around the microphone. I feel like you're going to say something. Uh, Google Play. We're on there now, Joey. That's nice. Nice. So if people want to go on there and check it out, please do soundcloud.com slash mandatory Samson. Go on there. You can subscribe or follow us or whatever it's called. You can comment on any of the episodes. We respond to all the comments and uh, we get a little conversation going post facto. You can also go on youtube.com slash mandatory Samson. This episode, if you've gotten this far into it and we're hoping for a video, you know that there isn't one, Uh, but typically we'll, we'll have a video up and we stream live every Thursday at 4 PM. Email us mandatory Samson at gmail.com. Twitter, I'm at Mansamp. Joey's at Joey from Jersey. Jersey is spelled with a Z. I'm also Mansamp on Snapchat and Instagram. Joey's on Snapchat with the same username. Instagram, not so much. Uh, Joey, any final message to the Samsonites before we get out of here? Uh, Just, nope, nope. You're done with that? (sighs) We'll talk to you guys next week. This has been a Stand Up Labs production powered by digital media. Subscribe to new and archive episodes wherever you listen to podcasts and find all of our shows at StandUpLabs.nyc. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. No, we out.